welcome to What's a Story. I'm Kim Burns, and I'm here with executive coach Tracy Fox, who is also an author and has a new book out, Got a Minute. And we're going to talk about Got a Minute in a Minute and all of the inspiring 365 days a year, what you can learn about the Bible and in easy reads. But first, we're going to say welcome, Tracy, and how are you? Thanks, Kim. I'm happy to be here. Excited to talk to you as always. I know it's always going to be a fun conversation. Well, it usually is. We've had so many conversations and I just want to show everybody uh, that we've gone through having a heart for God, which was, I don't know how many years ago that was. 2014. It's That's a okay. while, yeah. And also, and this will come up in our conversation today, the handbooks on happy marriage. And this is there's one for him, one for her, which I thought was so clever. A lot of work to do in those marriages. <laughs> no comment. And of course, the, the whole happy self where I just want to tell the listeners also that you're well known for your lectures and talks that you give, whether it's at a luncheon or for corporations. But let's start from the beginning about how you got into executive coaching and how that I'm assuming led to being an author or was it vice versa? Oh, well, we could go all the way back to, I always knew I was gonna be in the field of either psychology or helping people, social work, something like that. And as I was researching that, I discovered that life coaching was very results oriented and I'm a very results oriented person. And so I went to NYU, I got their certificate in executive coaching and the rest is history. And how long ago was that? Because I've seen that coaching has become so, so very popular, uh, just even more so over the last couple of years, but I, you were way ahead of the curve. I was, I got, I think it was 20 years ago. I got that certificate. Yeah. 20. Wow. Yeah. Now that's hugely, <laughs> hugely ahead of the curve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and how do you think it's really changed? Because uh, obviously we can never ignore the elephant in the room being the pandemic, which really isolated people and made them need to reach out for other sorts of inspiration or just help. Well, I mean, unfortunately and fortunately, coaching is like the wild, wild west, right? I mean, you can just print a business card and tell everyone you're a coach, or you can do the work and get a certificate and then really start coaching people and build your value over time. So in terms of what's offered, you do have to be careful. And I would always look for somebody who has a reputation who's been at it for a while. But in terms of uh, the pandemic, yeah, I think a lot more people reached out for help because it was hard to be stuck at home and a lot of things you could count on weren't there anymore. So that's all exactly true. Well, it's interesting because you do uh, coaching, obviously, with CEOs. So that's going to be more workplace directed versus some of your other intense work within family units or within marriages. So if somebody is looking for a coach, uh, are they, they probably are coming to a coach with pretty specific needs. Uh, well, they are and they aren't. I mean, the, the bottom line is no matter who I talk to, if it's uh, a local housewife or it's a top CEO of a national company, I mean, everybody wants the same thing at the end of the day. They want to be happy. And yes, what, what gets them to happiness may be different. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's still all behavioral and emotional issues. It's not so much when I talk to a CEO, he's trying to, you know, get me to help him figure out how to take his 
multi-million dollar company to a multi-billion dollar company. It's more things around leadership or anything like that. So, you know, that whole notion of happiness, I think we should discuss it because I know you've worked with that word and that uh, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope with that. Uh, so do you think that because they talk about people like if you win the lottery, uh, you know, you're happier uh, for the next, I don't know, 14 days. And then there's a base level of happiness that most people have. So regardless of whether they've been paralyzed in a car accident, they still go back to who they are to begin with. And how does that play into the way you would coach someone if they're looking to find more happiness? So my whole theory on happiness is I believe 99.9% .9 of the population is tied to something outside themselves. And so whether it's a relationship or whether it's, yeah, I, I need to win the lottery or I, I need to lose weight or it's always this when then theory of when I get this thing, then I will be happy. And so I'm always striving to get something so I can sustain my level of happiness. And what I try to teach people is that actually the value and happiness has to come from within and it can never be about something else. And so I try to have people understand the difference between uh, needing something and wanting something. So if you're in need, you're in trouble because you can need that new job or need that new boyfriend or need your husband to be nice to you. And sometimes those things work out and sometimes they don't work out. So you're always on a roller coaster. Whereas if you're in want mode, which is I want that new job, I want to win the lottery and I want my husband to be nice to me. But if none of those things happen, I am still going to make sure I have peace and happiness. And it has to be self-directed. Right. And so how does the word gratitude fit into that? Because a lot of people, you know, they don't want to wake up every day and say, I'm grateful because I, some of the women I've talked to feel like, you know, there's part of me that's grateful, but the other part of me is striving for something else, or my husband really isn't nice to me. And so I'm not going to be grateful that I have a husband because he mistreats me or however they look at it. Gratitude can be an odd word. Is there another word that we can use when we're looking for this supposed happiness? Well, I mean, I, on one hand, gratitude is good. But again, it, you're right. It depends on what you're looking for. Like, I, I'm not only just grateful for the good things in my life. I am actually grateful for the bad things in my life, too, because what's the upside to something bad happening is evolution, growth, empathy. I mean, there are a lot of good things from that happen because you experience tragedies or trials. And of course, that's not how the average person looks at it. They look at it as, no, this isn't fair. This person's not being nice to me or this person betrayed me. But I heard this great quote, and I think it's really true. And I'll say it twice because most people don't get it the first time around, which is all suffering is us arguing in our minds about what is. Say it again. So, yeah. So all suffering is us arguing with ourselves in our own minds about what is well because suffering is relative well and suffering is everyone sitting around getting up in the morning and saying well i don't like the fact that my kids talk back to me or i don't like the fact that my son didn't get into harvard or i don't like the fact that i got fired from that job it's this constant replay of arguing in our minds about what is as opposed to this is what it is <laughs> You know, I, I, I lost the job. Now, what am I going to do about it? We as human beings so, spend so much time ruminating and arguing with ourselves about, well, this is what it is. 
And we don't want to stay stuck in that, but we don't have to constantly replay it because when we constantly replay it, that's when we get the negative emotional, you know, backslide. Well, and, and the negative emotional stuff I find is really just you being mad at yourself for things not working out again, like you thought they were going to, um, which leads me to, uh, I went through the book and picked out a couple of my favorite my my favorite dates because I just want everybody to know this is based on a 365 days a year where you go through and for example April 4th is about uh forgiving yourself and that basically uh and then we're going to go back to how you compile each of these dates and the way that it, it's set up but that forgiving yourself sort of isn't up to you because God has already forgiven you so just get out of the way which I think is a really great thing to think about. I mean, it, it it sort of lets you off the hook to a degree. And I want to talk about uh, God in that manner, because I mean, again, what we're saying when we're reading all these basic passages is that there is a higher being. And if you just stop being so insular or, <laughs> you know, overthinking, which we all do, uh, then you can move forward or move on. So let's start by asking about, so we'll use it before this example, forgive yourself and it's a, it's a Psalm. And so what you've done is taken a Psalm or a passage or something from the Bible, which would be the New Testament, right? Well, Old Testament and New Testament, yep. Okay, um, and I'm gonna go back to talk about that. So uh, I just wanna let our listeners know, cause I think it's really interesting. And for those that don't pick up the Bible, which is probably the majority of the world right now, because it's daunting. I mean, I, I was reading, you know, Danto in the, um, you know, in, for an hour and I sort of went like, okay, I got, no, can't get all the way through this either. But uh, so, and then you, you read the passage and then you talk about what it is, you break it down um, and give everyone an explanation. How did you decide this setup? Because I think it's really well done. It's one page a day, but it gives us an idea of what these things are that they talk about in the Bible that so many of us don't know how to interpret, understand, or really more importantly, apply to our everyday life. So let me just give a background on that so I can say I've been in both places. I grew up in New York City. My mother was a minister at St. Bartholomew's Church in Manhattan, and I used to go and listen to her and think, she is like some Jesus freak up there, and I have no idea what she's talking about. And I just want to like go meet my friends and have a cocktail. Um, so, right. And I was just like, what are these people talking about? Then literally you can fast forward 20 years when I'm up here and someone invites me to go to a Bible study. And I'm like, absolutely not. I am not going to a Bible study if my life depended on it. But I ended up going and it was right around like 9-11, I think, or something. I think it was relevant to that. And it was so fascinating that someone knew the Bible backwards and forward and made it really plain, actually invited me to teach it, which is such a, you know, complete 360 from where I was. And over the course of doing that and sitting in church, I realized, wow, the Bible is, like you said, extremely daunting. People don't get it. It feels Shakespearean and long and complicated. So I started to write this one minute Bible study. Um, and so that people could not only understand that there are passages in the Bible that you can make relevant to your life, but I try to break it down, give an extra quote and every day. So it's a devotional. So every day you read a, a piece of scripture from the Bible and I explain why it's relevant and how you can, you know, use that wisdom for your daily life. 
Well, and then you have the one minute reflection at the end. Yep. And uh, for example, for this one that we were talking about, can you forgive yourself today? And then you use quotes from various famous authors, politicians. I mean, C.S. Lewis is an example here. I think that if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves. Otherwise, it is almost like setting up ourselves as a higher tribunal than him. And th that's what I'm talking about, about letting yourself off the hook, because it's sort of like, you know, beating yourself up is just another way of being like, okay, I was bad. You're never going to do this again. You never do this again. But this is saying, okay, you did it. Okay, fine, move on. Because somebody else, uh, you know, you, you, God is, is allowing you to move on. So well, not only that, but I, I do think a lot of people get it backwards. And especially because I taught Bible study forever. And a lot of people would come and believe like you had to be good enough for God. And of course, it's the opposite. The whole I mean, if you're a Christian, you know that the whole reason Christ died on a cross was because you can never be good enough. You can't save yourself. You can't go to enough soup kitchens. You can't, you know, be right. a good enough friend. None of it. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the setup is we're not good enough. And so why would you sit around and berate yourself when that's the human condition? Right. Right. But I, you know, I don't think people necessarily look at religion that way, which is why I think this is really helpful because it, it is that, you know, so many people are like, they don't go to church because it makes them feel worse about themselves or, you know, I'm really a sinner. I've got no business being there. You know. But that's why I love the fact that I, if I can help make it clear by this one minute reflection that that is not in fact what Christ said at all. Right. I mean, he he said, like, yes, that's true. But I am here and would have a relationship with me and live your best you know, sort of live your best life. And it doesn't have to be all the condemning. It's not supposed to be a condemning thing. It's supposed to be an encouraging thing. So I agree with you 100 percent. I guess a big religious question I have for you, which I think confuses a lot of people is Christ is really about love. OK, so if we just project love out there, what we're really doing is. Uh, living in Christ, Christ's way or walking with Christ. Yes. Uh, how does God fit into that? Because I, there's a lot of confusion with, you know, are we praying to God? Are we praying to Christ? Are we following Christ, but praying to God? So uh, that can be confusing for people who are sort of outside of it, but might be looking for spirituality if, if they understood more about it. Well, I mean, again, in, in the Christian religion, right, we believe in three, the three in one, which is God, the Holy Ghost, which nobody talks about, and then Jesus Christ. Um, but if you're not a Christian, and I don't know if that's where we're going now, um, and just trying to find out more about God, I mean, I do think that, you know, going back to what you said before about a higher power, I mean, it's always helpful to know that there is a well of wisdom when you take a moment and you know, just reflect on whatever your higher power is. And there's great wisdom there. I think we get so caught up in the ruminating in our minds and racing here and racing there, that even if you're not a religious person, I think just taking a moment and living in silence, there's this great quote in the Old Testament about, you know, in, you know, know that I am God, be still and know that I am God. Just in stillness, you can know that. Right. I read, I read that one. And what I thought was interesting about it and also, again, can help people that uh, want more spirituality, whether it's, you know, considered religion or what have you. But, you know, it's the sort of the stillness of understanding that God or the universe already has the plan 
and you could just sort of sit back. You don't have to be running in circles and you know all the all the worry and everything else that we do, particularly when there's nothing you can do about whatever the situation might be. And that it is very calming to be able to think or assume that a higher power is directing it anyway. Well, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, I don't know that you that we all want to believe that we just sit back and we're just like robots and we follow along. I think it's more about maybe relationship and you want to be in relationship with your higher power or with God or with Jesus Christ or whatever you want to believe. And that that kind, you know, again, delving into that kind of wisdom can help you really live your best life, that you don't have right. to do it on your own. No, I think what it is is more that uh, the frenetic moments oh, where great. people are at the end of their ropes and of course, we can use the pandemic as a perfect example of having very little control except for what we thought we knew from the CDC or we thought we knew uh, from our local governments about what to do or how to behave, but that there were so many people beyond distraught when there was nothing they could do about the situation. And those are the types of things I'm talking about that really, you know, to be able to take a walk and feel like, okay, you know, I'm not going to drive my family crazy with this because the most, the best I can do is to be calm and assume that God or the universe will guide me through this. So that's the kind of thing I'm really talking about. Well, and I also think you you bring up a great point about nature, right? Because again, we should all adopt the pace of nature and nature is very slow, very calm, very well organized. Like you said, if you take a walk in the woods, you can just spend hours being absolutely amazed at the miracles there. And that's what we have to do. We have to slow right. it down and appreciate what we have for sure. Exactly. So let's get back to the book. And uh, for example, uh, January 9th, what do you think? It's a proverb for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, what are we really talking about? Your, your quote on this is, whether you think you can or think you can't, you are always right, Henry Ford. So favorite quote. what? <laughs> favorite quote. It's such a great quote. It's so, yeah. it's so fun. How in the world did you organize these it, it, that to me had to have been extremely complicated. I don't care how organized you are, but did you have a, a pattern, a rhyme or reason? How did you even start this? Because there's so much information and they're, and they're all so different. I mean, every single one comes from some other place and a lot of them are completely unrecognizable even to people like me who've gone to church their whole life. Well, let me say a couple of things about that. One, I, I do love the new title, Got a Minute, because so many of us are racing around. And so obviously it's a play on words. You have a moment for God, right? And it also makes it less threatening to like for like, you know, you could give it to your kids or at a confirmation or something like that. Like it's an easy read and it's not scary stuff. Um, and in terms of how I organized it, I think it, I took what I understood in coaching and I'll talk about, you know, your thinking and put it together because great wisdom d does come from the Bible. And I'm so happy you brought that passage up because that's a perfect uh, bridge of great wisdom from the Bible. As you think, so shall you be. But I also apply that in coaching all the time because as you think, so shall you be, because I always say in coaching, what you think about leads to, right? How you feel about something, how you feel about something leads to your actions and your actions always lead to your destiny. So if I get up in the morning and I'm like, oh, this life sucks, it's raining again, I hate living here. 
Well, I start that routine, right? Then what is my feeling? My feeling is sort of depression. I'm discouraged. Well, what are my actions? Well, I'm probably not going to leave the house. I'll probably get back under the covers and, you know, be depressed. And then what's my destiny? Well, I haven't really contributed. I'm in my house alone. Yeah. So as you think, so shall you be. So I can start the day differently. Like it's raining. Uh, not much is going on today. But however, what am I going to do that's positive? And then, right, then my feeling is a little more uplifted. Then that leads to my action. Well, hey, maybe I'll call Kim and see if she wants to brainstorm about a new project. Or maybe I want to go to a homeless shelter and see if I can help there or something. I'm in a completely now different way of being, which then I have a different destiny, which is I'm contributing. I'm out and about. I'm making things happen. Everything starts in the brain. I, you know, I, I agree 100%. And the biggest problem in society is that there are so many people that, don't do that and they do think so negatively about that rainy day and then nothing happens and then you run into them later someplace and they're trying to bring everybody else down with them and i'm assuming these are not the people who call you i mean in other words it's like we have that whole population of people who refuse to help themselves get help or change their attitudes so that's really my next question for you because people who are going to buy a book like this uh are going to realize that all this great layering of like one minute a day of reading about something that you maybe don't know about or maybe sounds a little familiar, but it's got to be uplifting and start your day in that positive way. I mean, that's a one category of people. I like to be that way because I don't, I don't like to feel down. I don't like to waste a day. But what about all the folks out there that, you know, this is their life. This is what they do. That's why there's alcoholism. That's why there's so much, you know, drug use or or a, a domestic abuse, which is you know beyond a horror, uh, because those people they 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 set that net, and that's that. So what do we what do we do about that? <laughs> well, I agree with you. And negativity is very stimulating, right? I mean, we know that if you're driving on the Mara Parkway, uh, the trees are only so interesting. But you see a crash and a lot of bloody victims, everybody stops and looks. So negativity is always going to be stimulating, and it's hard to fight that tide. Uh, you know, that's why people love gossip and they love negativity and they love talking about other people. Um, so you just have to decide individually, you know, what do you want your life to be about? And I do start my book, Happy Self, with life is a one-time offer, use it well. And I don't think a lot of people are using their lives well. I, you know, many are, but there's a whole sect of people that you're talking about that are just in a routine of racing through life and, and, you know, not, not necessarily evolving. And you have to be really careful about that because again, you know, you turn on the TV and I don't care if it's Bravo housewives or, or it's the nightly news, there's a lot of negativity. Um, and so you have to be careful what influences you're going to allow into your life and especially into your children's lives. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And also how to walk away from it when you recognize it, whether it's people that, yeah, oh, I've been friends with them forever, but well, oh, well, you know, some, some things change and sometimes you just have to cut ties or move on in order for your, for your own sanity. And again, I saw that with the, with the pandemic that really, really, really affected so many people's mental health, which you're completely aware of. Uh, anyway, so we just have a minute, uh, and I'm wondering if there's anything else you'd like to tell our listeners before we wrap up. 
You know, I, I just think the main thing is, um, you know, you're in charge of your life and you're in charge of your destiny and you really do only have one life. And so maybe it's a good idea to take some of the wisdom from today, get still with yourself, maybe take out a piece of paper and write at the top, like, what do I really want? That's such a powerful question that people don't ask themselves. They're always in the, what should I do? What could I do? No, what do I really, really want? You know, do I want a powerful marriage? Do I want to raise great kids? Do I want true friendships? Do I want to, you know, help the Ukrainians? What do I really want? And then set about, you know, maybe some action steps. And then anybody who is successful, and you know this and I know this, you got to calendar it in or it's just simply not going to happen. You know, right. otherwise it's just a pipe dream. Right. And, but again, it's the same thing of getting up in the morning and having those thoughts first instead of what a horrible day it's going to be because of all the things you have to do, you don't want to do. So flip it and, you know. Well, and start your morning with God and that won't happen. Well, and start More your morning God with a minute. God a minute. But That's right. um, I really enjoyed this, Tracy. And again, it's, it's just so simple. You just keep an extra bed and get up and take a couple of minutes before you get out of your bed to read it and have some positive thoughts in your mind. And I, I think it's, it's, it's a great book. And I do, you know what, that's a great idea for my kids are being confirmed in the fall. It's the type of thing that would be lovely for teenage boys who somehow- I have a lot of churches English. buying it and giving it as the confirmation gift to yeah. their, to the whole class. So it's- yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant thing to do. And uh, again, maybe they can read a page. God knows they're not reading To Kill a Mockingbird for English for the last exam, but oh well. Anyway, right. uh, Tracy Fox, <laughs> executive- coach, author, and friend. Thank you for joining me today on What's the Story? I loved every minute of it, Kim, as always. You're very good Thanks, at what you Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm Kim Bye. Burns. Thanks for listening.